Welcome, everyone, to the Yankee Wankers Football Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined today by my co-host and resident hooligans, as always, Barrett Hartman and Clayton McKinney. Barrett, Clayton, how are we doing this afternoon, guys? Doing great. Just living the dream. Fantastic. Again, so so glad that you guys are here, and we've got another full slate of EPL action to talk about. We've got a couple of games under our belt now, I guess just one game each for the Manchester Clubs, and oh, man. As a Manchester United fan, we're going to get to that here in a moment for sure. Yeah. So, But uh, before we get started, guys, as always, it's important that we show some love to our sponsor, and that's Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben, Chad, and the whole Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Instagram and Twitter at chalkokc. Their weekend brunch setup is perfect for those mid-morning EPL uh, matchups here in the States, and there's no better place to have a conversation about sports and watch the games. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Now, Barrett, you and I spent a Saturday afternoon at Chalk with a college fantasy football draft, and it was kind of a packed house, man, so they were they were doing good this weekend. So Yeah, it was real busy. had the uh, Oklahoma State-Tulsa game, I think, was the, the big draw there with the uh, local teams playing, but... Uh... Had a good time. We managed to squeeze in our draft and, uh, you know, have some uh, chips and queso uh, that was pretty dynamite. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was a great environment. Uh, tons of TV screens up there, all the games on. So whether it's EPL, whether it's U.S. Open Golf, whether it's college football, NBA, NFL, uh, whatever your sports junkie fix is, uh, Chalk is certainly the place uh, to catch those games for sure. So uh, looking forward to uh, seeing those guys again this weekend. Well, well, guys, let's get into it. We, we have to recap uh, match week two uh, before we get into uh, the news from this week. But, you know, really the game of the week, the marquee matchup that we kind of focused in on the pod last week uh, was that of Chelsea in Liverpool uh, on Sunday afternoon, and, and Liverpool come away with a win there 2-0, uh, but Barrett, let, let's go with you. So what, what are your thoughts as a Liverpool fan? You, you were a little cautious heading into this game. You, were, you wasn't quite sure, but Liverpool get the all, th- all three points, uh, pull out the win 2-0. Your thoughts on that match? Yeah, going into it, I, I was, uh, like you said, unsure. I predicted a, a 2-2 draw there. I thought Chelsea would have something with the new signings. But, uh, you know, getting Christensen sent off right there before the half uh, certainly changed the uh, changed the complexion there. So, you know, as a Liverpool fan, that was a great sign. You know, we kind of knew the second half would go our way. But, you know, got to think the neutrals were probably pretty disappointed. They had a, you know, a very, very entertaining first half uh, back and forth. And then second half was a little bit of a, a domination. Yeah, uh, Sadio Mane gets both goals in in that uh, that big win for Liverpool. But, uh, Clayton, your thoughts on that match? Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool, Liverpool get all three points. Yeah, I mean, just, just – you know, first note here is, you know, Vern is as advertised. I mean, he, he can take over the game a little bit, you know, create chances, and then obviously, you know, getting that penalty late on, which, I mean, Jorginho obviously missed. But I thought Kai Havertz, he was non-existent even in the first half of the game. So, I mean, if Christensen wants to come in and make that foul, you do that in the 88th, to 90th minute not at the (laughs) end of the first half so I thought that was terrible but I mean Liverpool I mean you know they just controlled and attack control and attack and I thought Thiago um, getting his debut he's definitely a smart and crafty center mid but uh, overall, for Liverpool, I thought it was a better defensive performance, too. Yeah, and uh, speaking of that defense, uh, you know, Gomez was out injured, and, you know, the kind of the holding midfielder, Fabinho, uh, fills in as a center half and does an admirable job. Uh, you know, I probably, even though Mane scores the two goals, I probably would have given man of the match to Fabinho, the way he, uh, you know, cleaned everything up on the back end and kind of controlled things. But uh, you also mentioned uh, Thiago. Uh, you know, only gets 45 minutes, but sets a Premier League record in his debut with 75 completed passes uh, in 45 minutes. So, uh, you know, for someone playing 45 minutes or less, that's a new Premier League record. Yeah, and somebody in our fantasy EPL league picked up Tiago this week. Who, who was that, Barrett? Well, um, you know, I made a bid, but I uh, didn't expect the uh, Man U guy to kind of, you know, spend all of his transfer budget on on a Liverpool player. So, wow. so I didn't come away with him. Hey, completed passes is a stat that we track for points in our fantasy league. So I saw that stat too after 45 minutes and 75 completed passes. I was like, yes, please. So I, I kind of blew my load <laughs> from a, from a free agent. Uh, uh, 
bid standpoint. So if anybody else gets hurt, I'm probably screwed for the rest of the year, but I wasn't going to let that opportunity pass. And so, you know, Gareth Bell and some other guys came into uh, uh, the EPL this week and they're available for fantasy purposes. And we'll get to those guys here a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, I, I had to set aside my, uh, uh, my, uh, the rivalry uh, between uh, uh, United and Liverpool for that. Cause that was just good business. Uh, I think from a fantasy <laughs> perspective there. So I, I snagged Tiago for sure in our league, but uh, Clayton getting back to our squad, Manchester United, um, the right words to describe that performance uh, against Crystal Palace uh, on Saturday afternoon here in the States. Uh, abysmal, limp, uh, I, I don't know what the right way to describe it. It was shitty, uh, yeah. re- regardless of how you want to describe it, what the right adjective is. But United go down, uh, they lose 1-3 to three, um, to Crystal Palace. Uh, Donnie Vandebeek makes a debut and, uh, and gets a goal uh, in the second half, but it was all for naught. But uh, your thoughts, uh, what, what went wrong for United on Saturday against Palace, uh, Clayton? Well, first off, I want to give credit to, you know, Roy Hodgson's side for converting their chances. I mean, tactically, I mean, they came out with a game plan and executed. So, you know, get that first goal and then sit back and defend the rest of the game. So, I mean, like you said, United didn't even come out ready to play. They lacked any kind of desire to get into the game. The defense was lazy. So here are some of the stats that I that I saw. We only had, what, 76% possession and only ma- managed four shots on goal. Yeah, and yeah, Crystal of, Palace had 24% and managed five shots on goal. Yeah, a lot of sideways passes, reminiscent of the Van Gaal days, unfortunately. So kind of an ugly, ugly memory there yeah. for United fans. But, yeah, I agree. But uh, keep going, Clayton. No, um, and then, you know, when Crystal Palace did move up and attack, we just walked the ball right back up. I mean, there, there was times where we could have easily started going and pressing and, you know, making them pay for coming, you know, into United's half. But, no, it was, it was lethargic. It was, you know, five, six-yard passes here and there in the left-hand corner. People not checking in and out of space. It was just lethargic. Like I said, it was terrible to watch. I mean, you got to make some dynamic runs over the top, you know, dink some balls over that uh, defensive line, get some of those center backs moving, and, you know, make them question. I don't care if you're off sides. You know, make them think that you're on and have them drop off a bit, you know, create some space. I mean, I remember one time watching, I think it was – in the second half, had to, yeah, it was in the second half. We had four guys over on the left-hand side, and if you're not getting the ball within the first five seconds, get out of there. Get out of that space. Create it for someone else. And I thought the only shining light that I saw was Van de Beek, obviously. He was moving side to side, checking in and out of space, creating different chances, and then, you know, he found up, found a way into, you know, bagging his first goal, which, I mean, he was in a good position, and, you know, he made the most of his chances, so... I mean, that was the only highlight of the whole game for a Manchester United perspective, but... Well, let's, let's take a Liverpool perspective on this game, Barrett. So you, your thoughts on this one. Again, United, they just they looked lethargic. I think that's a good word that Clayton used to describe it, but uh, your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the word that I had in mind uh, was flat. You know, they, they had the ball, they controlled possession, but they were happy to just knock it around and, and not drive forward, not create chances. Um, you know, Clayton mentioned the possession, 24% possession for Crystal Palace, um, and yet they they win 3-1. I mean, uh, it's kind of the same recipe they followed last week. I think they had 29% uh, possession in their opener uh, and still managed to get the, the three points there as well. So, and I guess against Southampton, I think, right? One yeah, there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Southampton. And uh, that's, that's going to be their MO. They're going to sit back and defend. Uh, they're going to be compact, and they're going to look to uh, set Zaha loose on the counter, uh, get him in space where he's just devastating. Yeah, and right before we recorded the pod last week, I, I was talking to Barrett off air, and I said, "Man, I really want to pick Zaha in my fantasy lineup this week. This week, because it seems like he always has a chip on his shoulder, and he always terrorizes United. And I was too much of a puss to pull the trigger, and I didn't make him one of my picks. And obviously, he gets two goals. He gets the the controversial penalty at the which yeah, again, it yeah. didn't it didn't matter, right? So right, that wasn't right. why United lost the match. But you know, De Gea judged uh, being off his line uh, before IU uh, um, uh, takes the penalty. De Gea saves it, and then obviously VAR overturns it. Uh, Zaha steps up and leaves no doubt uh, with his with his PK there. So. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning. I, I don't think we can let this slide, but uh, uh, Ole Gunnar uh, Skolciar leaves the right side incredibly weak with both Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Mason Greenwood on the bench to start the game. So uh, a bit of a blunder there, in my opinion. you got to have one of those guys on the right-hand side, uh, you know, to have a little bit of a threat going that direction, not leave everything to the left. 
Yeah, and, and that's been, you know, the problem for United for the last couple of seasons, to be honest with you, is that they're not balanced, right? So all all the attacking threat has come from the left. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, Jaden Sancho has been, everybody has said it all along, oh, my God, you got to get Sancho on the right. You got to get, he, he fits perfectly. It, it's the perfect match, right? It's all going to make sense whenever you slot Sancho in there. And, again, the, the transfer sagas of United are, are, are well documented, and it's a, it's a you know, weekly shit show, uh, and, and will probably continue to be so, so long as Ed Woodward's in charge. And, again, uh, they're, they're my club. I can, I can talk about them this way, right? So, but uh, uh, you, you got to hope that uh, uh, eventually uh, they get a deal done there. But uh, again, it's such a glaring need. Uh, even even when you know Greenwood, you know uh, uh, um, he he plays out of position there. I mean, a right right winger isn't his natural position. But you know, whenever you do have some talent out on that right wing. You know, you see the difference in play for United there. And again, Greenwood, he was, uh, it was obviously well documented his issues uh, in the international play leading up to that week. And so um, brought him on at halftime was, again, kind of kind of too little, too late, right? So, but again, flat, flat, lethargic, uh, all good words to describe that performance. I think the pass of least resistance uh, was the pass that United chose more often than not. And I thought, you know, Pogba had just an absolutely terrible performance. Yeah, he and was, he was he was the guy that was hauled off in the 60th minute, 65th minute, whatever it was, to bring on Van de Beek, uh, losing possession in the middle of the park uh, time after time after time, and, and really, you know, leading to some of those dangerous counters by Zaha uh, in, in Crystal Palace uh, moving forward. And so, yeah, I think Ole was well within his right uh, to haul him off. Uh, probably should have done it at halftime, to be honest with you. But, uh, um, you know, United, they bounced back. Earlier this week in the Carabao Cup, right, the League Cup, they, they beat up on uh, Luton Town. I say beat up on. I mean, that game was in doubt until the 75th minute right. or so whenever uh, Ole brings on a triple sub and brings on Bruno, uh, Rashford, and uh, and Greenwood. And, and then, lo and behold, Rashford and Greenwood get two goals <laughs> within a, a 12- or 13-minute span there and kind of put that game away. But, you know, maybe maybe seeing the ball go on the back of the net will be good for them this week against Brighton. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that game here a little bit more uh, coming up. But, you know, Guys, we, we got to talk about Leeds United, and we've talked about them a lot through the first couple of weeks, and uh, uh, the mercurial manager, Marcelo Bilsa, and just how much fun they are. But they're quickly becoming must-see television, man. So uh, they go out and beat uh, Fulham this week 4-3, but it, it's not your standard uh, 4-3. This game had a lot going on in it. But, uh, Barrett, your, your thoughts on Leeds United? They get three points here. They tested your Liverpool squad and lost that game in week one 4-3, uh, to three, uh, but they get the win here. But your thoughts on Leeds? Uh, like you said, it's must-see TV. Uh, through two weeks, 14 goals in Leeds games. Um, yeah, I mean, scoring four against Fulham and other newly promoted teams, not all that impressive, but but it's just entertainment, right? It's, it's up and down the pitch. It's it's goals, it's penalties, it's fouls. It's, uh, it's just everything you can ask for as far as being entertained as a neutral fan. Yeah, they, they were a lot of fun to watch for sure. But your, your thoughts on this one, uh, Clayton, anything that jumped out to you from Leeds and Fulham? Again, <laughs> just uh, they're, they're fun to watch, man. There, there's going to be some sort of crazy event in every match, it seems like, at this point. But your, your thoughts on this match? Right. I mean, we kind of talked a bit about this on our text thread. Uh, Robin Koch conceded two of the three penalties that they've had this year, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, and, and you can kind of debate if those are weak. You know, it's, some of them are understandable, but – you know, that, that second one that he committed, if you're going to go in and get the ball, you better damn well make sure that you're going to go get the ball. Fulham did a better job of pressing. Um, however, I thought Leeds were just a, just a bit sloppy in the back, playing the ball out. And if you're 4-1 up, there's no need to keep going forward and knock the ball around. You just got to put your fall, put your foot on the ball and just kill the game off. Um, even Alexander... Yeah, I mean he's a brute. He's a nightmare for yeah, sure. Mitrovic for Fulham. Yeah, yeah, Mitrovic. I mean he's he's a nightmare for any center defender that has to you know go up to him. He'll, I mean he'll bully a center defender and you know he'll he'll stick his head in anything. So I mean he's some someone to kind of watch out for going forward. But yeah, it was good to see that Leeds United you know, got the win this past Saturday. Yeah, Barrett was a guy that used to stick his head in anything back in college, too. So, but he's grown up now. So, but that's a, that's a good way to describe Mitrovic. He's kind of a bull in a in a china closet for sure. But, uh, yeah, Leeds, they're going to be fun, right? They're just going to be a fun follow. And who knows what happens, right? Hell, maybe they end up finishing in fifth or sixth or something. God, I, I don't even have any idea at this point. But uh, um, they're, they're going to be exciting regardless uh, week in and week out for sure. But, you know, moving on to the next game, guys, uh, Everton 5, West Brom 2, the result, perhaps not quite as shocking, right? I think we would have expected uh, Everton to win that match. I think we all predicted Everton to win that match as well. Uh, 
But the way that Everton has played through the first two weeks, again, I realize it's 10-man West Brom, right? So the, the, the fact that Everton kind of pounded on them and beat up on them towards the end. But, you know, the question I pose to you guys, is Everton a top-four side? Um, Barrett, your thoughts on the Blues? They've looked pretty good through the first two weeks. Uh, as of right now, absolutely they're top four. Um, they're playing better than, uh, you know, United or Chelsea at this point. So, you know, long-term, uh, you know, kind of depends on how that Chelsea team gels and if uh, United can get their shit together and go on a run like they did at the end of last year. But, but as of right now, it's, it's impressive. It's fun to watch. Uh, the way James is just dictating play and creating chances. Um, Decoure and Allen just kind of controlling the middle of the park. Um, and then uh, Calvert-Lewin, man, he's come out of a no, relatively nowhere. I mean, he was a decent player in the past, but w- with all these other options and the attention being drawn away from him, uh, he's just poaching. And uh, that's what you want to see out of a forward. Yeah, and, and you know, Calvert Lewin, he had that potential, right? So he he scored a bunch of goals for the England international, the under under nineteen squad, the under twenty one squad, and and kind of starting to live up to that potential for sure. At least with the first two games this week, uh, Ricardson has looked good. And again, you mentioned those three guys in midfield: Hamas, uh, um, uh, Abdullah Decore, and then Allen. And, and again, insane that. Those guys were all signed essentially a week before the season <laughs> began and that they've all slotted together almost seamlessly uh, in uh, Ancelotti's system there. But uh, your thoughts on Everton, Clayton, and, uh, I mean, should should the rest of the big six, should they be worried, right? Is it a big seven now uh, with Everton uh, kind of knocking on the door here through these first two weeks for sure? Oh, definitely. I mean, they, they have kind of the full arsenal as far as what you want out of a, out of a top six side. Being able to attack – and being able to defend, obviously. Uh, I mean, that's the nature of the game, but they do it really well. I mean, they always drop in numbers when they do lose the ball. They're very technically sound in the back. And, I mean, yeah, they can definitely contest for, you know, the top six, maybe even the top four. Um, It just depends on if they can stay healthy. Obviously, that's a huge issue. But, yeah, I mean, definitely top four team as of now. Well, another match that was uh, ended in 5-2, 5-2-4-2 was a popular score in match week two in the EPL, but uh, Spurs bounce back. Uh, they go down to the South Coast against uh, uh, the Saints at Southampton, uh, get a big win, 5-2 there. But uh, we, we said it, you know, in last week's pod is that, man, is it is it is it too early to say that this is a must-win game for Jose after coming out and losing that opening uh, game against uh, uh, Everton at home? But uh, they bounce back. They look really good. But your, your thoughts on this one? Uh, Spurs, five goals, uh, Barrett. They, they look pretty good against Saints on, on, on the Sunday. Well, I, yeah, they looked pretty good in the second half. Uh, the first half, they looked abysmal. Um, completely flat, much like United. Uh, not doing anything with the ball when they had it. But what did Jose say at halftime is what I want to know. Uh, they come out in the second half. And, uh, yeah, okay, the, the first goal, I think, was right in uh, stoppage time at the end of the first half. But, uh, you know, four goals in the second half. Uh, what did he say? What did he do to get them motivated? Or was it just tactics? Um, you know, I said last week, I think Kane will will them to victory. And, yeah, it was Son that had the four goals. But, uh, you know, Kane had the fifth goal. But Kane also assisted on all four of Son's goals. Uh, so, definitely, he was involved in all five goals. Seems in the second half he sat a little bit deeper, and he was just releasing Son to run past that back line. Uh, they were playing that high line, and uh, Kane was just turning Son loose, getting him one on one with the keeper, and, and Son was not missing. Yeah, it, it was interesting to kind of see Kane kind of drop back, the almost kind of a false nine, and then letting letting Son on the wing kind of run in behind. And uh, yeah, whether that was a tactical change that that Jose saw at halftime and said, "Hey, let's start doing this, guys," or whether that was something that the players uh, kind of worked out for themselves on the field, we got to give Jose credit for it. I guess regardless, he's going to take credit for it uh, <laughs> regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, your your thoughts on this one, Clayton? Uh, big big win for Spurs, big bounce back victory for them. Well, I got to say, you know, having Son on my fantasy team, that was also exciting to see him bagging the four goals. So I was happy about that. It's a good week in fantasy <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah, like you said, Barry, I mean, towards, you know, the first half, I mean, Southampton kind of gave Spurs some troubles, you know, switching attack, finding runs in behind Tottenham fence. I mean, it was kind of the same old story. But, you know, obviously Southampton that high line's never going to work especially when you have Kane dropping off and Son running on behind him and you know I think Keith we talked about this before um, that symbiotic relationship between you know Son and Harry Kane um, and, and it worked out beautiful for him this past weekend I thought you know Son made you know great runs in behind and was clinical I mean absolutely clinical finishing um, yeah I mean those two are obviously the keys 
you know, that actually drive Tottenham to victory. So, and then adding Bale this coming week, uh, maybe he gets, you know, his debut again. Um, and I, I just kind of want to see that happen as well. I don't know if he takes over Lucas, Lucas Morris spot or however that's supposed to play out, but yeah, I'm excited for this next week game. Yeah, absolutely. You're a little foreshadowing there that uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of the big signings from a new standpoint uh, that, that came in this past week. But, uh, uh, yeah, you're going to be interesting to see. And, yes, uh, when, whenever Spurs are, are humming at their absolute best, uh, it's typically because Kane and Son are in sync and, uh, and linking up. And, and, obviously, we saw that in the second half uh, on Sunday against uh, Southampton. But, um, you know, skipping ahead to Monday night football, let's go to the blue side of Manchester, or perhaps the Paisley side of Manchester mm-hmm. is what we should call it now. I'm, I'm quite a fan of these new Paisley. Paisley uh, uh, alternate kits or away kits that uh, that City have this year, guys. Call me crazy. But uh, big win for uh, uh, the citizens in this one. 3-1 over Clayton's Wolves um, <laughs> at the Molyneux. But, uh, uh, Barrett, your, your thoughts on this one, your takeaways from Monday Night Football. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, he's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he is good. But uh, to, to be honest, what I took more away from this is Wolves are dangerous. Um I feel like they probably should have gotten something out of this game. So, you know, Man City completely dominates the first half. Um, But then second half, Wolves had chance after chance after chance. And they were just, you know, slightly off target multiple times. Uh, Daniel Podence had, I think, three uh, real, you know, real good scoring chances. He should have converted at least one, if not two of those. Uh, And then uh, Wolves do get get the goal. you know, to make it 2-1, and then the garbage time goal for uh, Jesus there to make it 3-1, R- run that score up a little bit and make it look a little bit better than it was. But I was more impressed with Wolves after that one. Yeah, we said it all along. Wolves, they, they have a dangerous intent to them, and, and they made a big signing uh, the, today or yesterday as well as it was recording this pod, so we'll talk about that here in a moment. But uh, your thoughts on the blue side of Manchester, Clayton. So uh, City 3, Wolves 1, uh, any, any takeaways from this game? Yeah, I mean, I thought Phil Foden, you know, Gabriel Jesus, De Bruyne, all very sharp. You know, they did a good job of closing down any attack from Wolves in the first half. I mean, they pretty much controlled what Wolves, you know, could do, and it was pretty much nothing. Um, yeah, in the second half, I mean, they had a, you know, a little little flurry of that, that 10 minutes that we were talking about where they had, you know, chances to get in, and Real uh, Jimenez, you know, scored off that header. Um and then, you know, all the attacks were coming off the right side for them most of the time. So, if I mean, if Triori beats his man, then Wolves were creating chances. That's kind of how that story went. And then Potence should have had, you know, one possibly, and then also Neves. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you can definitely see Wolves being a, you know, a good counter-tapping team, right? So... I mean, they showed it in the second half, what they can do. But, I mean, overall performance, I didn't think they came out to play in that first half. I mean, credit to City. They just did a good job of, you know, closing them down and not allowing them to counter or get any kind of possession on the ball. No, I mean, I think both of these teams are going to be pretty good this year. And I think they're both going to be in the discussion. Uh, obviously, we, City, I, I think, maybe a pick to win win the league this year for a couple of us or finish second uh, for sure, but uh, but wolves again, they're they're going to be fun to watch, and so uh, maybe maybe they rue some missed chances in this one. Uh, maybe could have got a result had things got, uh, gone a little bit differently, but uh, uh, hopefully those things balance out over 38 weeks for sure. But uh, um, well, guys, let's move ahead to some of the action off the pitch this week, right? And so it was a busy week um, from from signings and transfer news, and, and we have to start with your your squad, uh, Barrett Liverpool. One of the signings they completed this week had been talked about for several weeks now, and that being uh, Tiago Alcantara. But there was another signing that they, they picked up this week, speaking of Wolves, that kind of came out of nowhere, at least for some of us. But uh, your thoughts on the two big signings uh, by, by Liverpool this week? Yeah, I'll start with Tiago. I mean, that's been a, an ongoing saga since, uh, you know, the, the start of the transfer window. Um, it's kind of been one of those, uh, when is it going to happen, not is it going to happen. So, uh, not real surprised that one happened. Uh, am a little bit surprised that, that they made the move without getting rid of Jeannie Wijnaldum. Uh, so, uh, you know, opening up that checkbook a little bit uh, to be able to have both of those midfielders on the squad. But uh, they've done some interesting things in structuring the payouts uh, on buying these two players and kind of delaying some of that outlay uh, to let them bring those guys in right now as opposed to uh, waiting for some sales. Uh, but as far as Diogo Hota, uh, yeah, completely out of the blue. 
uh, as far as a, a, an attacking player, there was a lot of talk about uh, Ismailia uh, Saar with Watford, uh, and then Hota comes in out of the blue for $40 million, which that, that's a big sum for someone that's going to be second string. Um, so you, you got to think that uh, uh, Klopp is really planning a rotation there in the with the attacking three, which for the last two seasons has been very, very stagnant. If those guys hel- are healthy, you know, Mane, Salah, and Firmino, they're playing. Uh, so they'll be able to get a little bit more rest now with Hota and kind of do a little bit of a rotation. As you know, Hota can play both wings, as can Mane, uh, whereas Salah can only play on the right so or, or in the center. Um, so they'll have a lot of options there. They'll be able to cycle those guys through and, and get a nice rotation going and keep them fresh. Yeah, it's probably a sign of good management, I think, Barrett. You, you, you mentioned it, that those guys have stayed relative, that front three, at least for Liverpool, have stayed relatively healthy uh, over the last two seasons. And whenever they're clicking, they're obviously the best three in the game, probably. But, you know, maybe Klopp looking ahead saying, it's like, hey, look, I've, 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 uh, I've rode my luck on this for the last couple of seasons. These guys probably aren't going to be able to hold up forever. You know, we're just one ugly injury away. And so being able to go out and backfill with, and backfill with talent, for sure. So uh, I think Yota's a, a good player uh, from, from Wolves. And uh, again, they they went out and made a made a change or a signing uh, in in exchange for that this week, which we'll get get to here in a moment. But you know, jumping ahead to Spurs, uh, Clayton, you you had mentioned this uh, this name uh, a little earlier when we were talking about the uh, uh, the Spurs match, but. Spurs go out. They bring back uh, uh, one of their beloved uh, early early players there. I guess it's really Southampton's beloved early player, but the Spurs <laughs> Spurs signed him early uh, many moons ago. But they bring back Gareth Bell, and then also uh, uh, Real Madrid asset, uh, although he'd been on loan. Uh, that of uh, uh, Sergio Regeon, uh, uh, a fullback there. But uh, both guys that were linked to our Manchester United the week before, Spurs complete a double swoop here. But your your thoughts on these uh, two big signings for uh, Daniel Levy and uh, Jose Mourinho Spurs? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched a couple highlights on Sergio. Um, he does love to get into the attack and take on defenders. I mean, obviously, he'll be a nice compliment to Son on that left-hand side. And then, obviously, Gareth Bale. You know, at 31, he can still turn and burn, but... He's definitely going to be a guy that will keep every back line honest, right? So him and Son, hopefully on both sides or either opposite sides of each other, are going to definitely stretch you know, any kind of back line that they have as far as with their speed. So it could create more chances for Harry Kane and obviously Son and Gareth Bale. So I, I do like those signings for him. Um, and hopefully you know, they can keep this run of form right now, this one-game run of form. Um, but, yeah, I thought they were great signings for Spurs. Yeah, I don't think – you can't doubt uh, Bell's talent, that's for sure. It's been his ability to stay healthy and perhaps his give-a-shit meter. That, that's been one of the biggest questions for the last two seasons, it seems like, at Real Madrid. But uh, any, any thoughts on these two big signings uh, for, for Spurs, Barrett? Well, I, I feel like they had to do something. Uh, through two weeks, uh, they've played one good half of football and three complete shit halves. Uh, so they needed to mix it up. Uh, I'm, I'm more surprised that uh, Jose Mourinho was able to get Daniel Levy to open the checkbook. Uh, so I don't know if he's got some pictures of uh, Levy doing something he shouldn't or what. Uh, but, hey, they, they get the players in. And, and a front three of Son, uh, Bale, and Kane. Uh, I mean, I, it's, it's hard for me to say this as a Liverpool uh, supporter, but that's about as uh, deadly as any front three in the league. Yeah, and you think about the guy who might be playing in the hole right behind him, whether that be Deli Ali or, or Lucas Mora, they they are not lacking for attacking options at, at this point for sure. Assuming that Bell comes in, uh, plays well, and stays healthy, and well, that remains to be seen. But you know, perhaps maybe uh, he gets a debut. I I'd probably I'd be surprised if he starts this weekend, but maybe he comes in off the bench and gets a substitute appearance. But uh, uh, certainly would be something to look for uh, in uh, Spurs' uh, uh, matchup this weekend against Newcastle, which we'll talk about here in a moment. But you know, skipping down a team that we had mentioned a couple of times now. Now, uh, Wolves had a player on the way out, but Wolves just completed a big signing uh, earlier today uh, in, in that of uh, Nelson Semedo, from, uh, uh, the fullback from Barcelona. Uh, you don't think about the, 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 the go-between there. It might not be so shocking to see a Wolves player go to Barcelona, but a Barcelona player coming to Wolves, uh, that's a little different there. But uh, your, your thoughts on this one, Clayton, uh, uh, with Semedo uh, coming in from, uh, from Barca uh, and, and Wolves putting that money uh, for Yota, uh, uh, his, uh, his transfer out to, to work pretty quickly here. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, obviously a great signing. I haven't seen Semedo play that much at Barca um, as far as kind of like a highlights perspective. Um, but I mean, if he's playing at Barcelona, I mean, he kind of has to be good. I would, <laughs> I would assume. Um, 
I, I don't know his age. I mean, I don't know if you guys know it offhand or not. I think he's relatively young. He, yeah, okay. I think he's like 23, 24 yeah. or okay. something like that. I mean, I mean, at that, I mean, why did Barca even sell him? I mean, that whole squad is pretty old. I'm surprised they even got rid of him. But, yeah, I mean, anything that bolsters the Wolves' back line, I'm, I mean, for, for, from then, for them to get, you know, that kind of asset from Barca, is, it's, a big, it's a big signing. Yeah, your, your thoughts on this one, uh, uh, Barrett. Uh, Samedo coming over, figures to slot in and probably start right away for Wolves, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a right back. And, and the, the thing that jumps out at me is Wolves has been playing, you know, with three center backs and then having uh, Treore more as a wing back there on the right side, having to track all the way back and defend. So this is going to free Treore up to do more attacking to play, you know, in a little bit more advanced role. And uh, I think that's just going to make their attack that much more deadly. Again, good management, good, 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 uh, 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 insight there in the sense of like, hey, look, Traore, this isn't his strength. We don't want him tracking back and defending. We want him going forward and running at people and attacking. Well, maybe we should go out and get a right back, a right wing back to kind of slot in behind him. Again, uh, something as a United fan that uh, I, would, I would love to see that common sense applied uh, to our squad. And we'll, we'll talk about them here in a moment for sure. But uh, Wolves, again, we talk about NES and the job that he's doing there, man. It just It's just one, it seems to be one smart move after another. They're they're a hard team not to like uh, from top to bottom with everything that they've been able to do to construct that squad and everything they continue to do. Uh, they're, they're hard not to root for, man. So they, they just make smart moves, uh, and, and we'll see if this one pans out. But uh, it certainly makes sense on paper, uh, at least with the squad that, that, that Wolves currently has. But another big move uh, was in, the, uh, in between the sticks, uh, and that being Chelsea signing uh, uh, goalkeeper Eduardo uh, Mende from Rennes, um, there's been a lot of discussion about Kepa and some of the the howlers that he's had over the last few months about you know perhaps he and Frank Lampard on the same aren't on the same page there. Uh, Barrett, your thoughts on this one? Does this mean is Kepa on the way out to, with this signing of Mende uh, in uh, in goal for Chelsea? I think if Frank Lampard had his way, then yes, Kepa would be out, but. I don't know how he's going to uh, be able to get somebody to take his wages at this point. So I, I think it remains to be seen. But the, the interesting thing is Keppa, when he – I think his problem's more between the ears uh, than it is in talent. So uh, when he's reacting, uh, he makes excellent saves. He, he gets across the box well. Uh, but when he has time to think about it, uh, th- that he makes his mistakes. So uh, I think there still is hope for Keppa. It's just not going to be at Chelsea. No, I, I agree with that assessment. Uh, Clayton, your, your thoughts on Kepa. Is, is he, is, does he have a lifeline at Chelsea? Is he going to stay there, or is it time perhaps to move on? I mean, like you said, I think it is time for him to move on. I mean, like you said, I think it is between the ears uh, mentally. Uh, maybe, you know, going to another place, you know, getting more games under his belt might help him out, you know, as far as being, being able to regain his confidence. But I do like the move uh, – with Chelsea springing on that other, that extra goalkeeper, so yeah, I I I agree. It's going to be interesting to see you know when when Mindy perhaps gets his first start. Uh, obviously, that that transfer was just completed, I think, yesterday, and so I wouldn't expect him to get uh, a run out this week, but uh, maybe in the weeks to come for sure. But uh, we'll keep an eye on Keppa again. Uh, still uh, still a couple more weeks left, or one week left, give or take. Uh, in the transfer window, and uh, we'll see what happens there. But you know, one news story I have pegged here, guys, that, that kind of came out, and again, it, being a United fan, it, it, it struck a nerve, was uh, in the uh, uh, post-match press conference, or perhaps in the the, the day after, uh, there was a quote from Ole uh, saying uh, that United need four to five games to get up to speed uh, in order to kind of get up to the uh, level of play that they um, uh, are, are, are expecting uh, their guys to be at as we kind of move forward. Uh, as our friends against uh, across the pond would say, uh, I think this is complete bollocks, right? So uh, your professionals, um, you know, you should be ready to play on day one, right? I, I know that Ole's probably protecting his players to a certain degree, especially after that terrible result against Crystal Palace uh, on Saturday. But Clayton, as a United fan, how do you take a quote like this from your manager saying like, ah, we're going to blow off and you know, kind of piss off and just use the first three or four games as exhibition uh, matches or friendlies until we get up to speed. I know that's not that wasn't his exact words, but certainly as a United fan, you could take it that way. Your thoughts on that? So you're saying I don't have to watch this 6:30 a.m. game because we're still getting up to speed? That, that's that's an early <laughs> kickoff here in the states. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean you're Manchester United. You are expected to win every game, or at least compete to win every game. I mean you have some of the best talent in the world, up and coming talent. There's no excuse. I mean four to five games. That's Yes, I mean, look at Leeds United. They brought it to Liverpool. Didn't take them four to five games to get that done. I mean, that, it, 
it's it's definitely arrogant, I guess you could say. Um, four to five games, no, it needs to happen now. I mean, you're already in the new season. You got all your players back. Now is the time to start. Absolutely. Your your thoughts on this, Barrett? What what if Jurgen Klopp says this at Liverpool? Uh, I mean. <laughs> I don't think you'd get away with it. I mean, I think it's complete bullshit. He acts like they've been off for three months while everyone else has still been playing. Uh, in fact, they've had a shorter break, so they should be fresher. They should be more ready to go than these other guys. Um, you know, if it was Frank Lampard saying that with all the new signings he brought in, trying to get those guys to work well together, that'd be one thing. But who's United brought in besides Van de Beek? I mean, he's, right, the, right. he's the only guy they're trying to integrate. Everyone else should be good to go. And he was the only guy that looked like he was worth a shit uh, yeah. on Saturday against <laughs> yeah. Crystal Palace. Sub. So, I don't know. There, there's something to be said for yeah. that as well. But, uh, yeah, not, uh, not not a quote, uh, not a statement, not a stance that, uh, that went over well with most hardcore United fans. And so, uh, I, I would expect a, a good reaction uh, from United this weekend against Brighton. Again, that early kickoff uh, from a from a U.S. standpoint but we'll we'll talk about that here in a moment but but from a U.S. perspective again we do call this the Yankee Wankers football podcast for a reason guys but I think the real Manchester United squad to start following from this point forward Clayton uh, is the Manchester United women's squad so two big signings this week uh, U.S. women's stars uh, that of uh, Kristen Press and Tobin Heath uh, I'm not going to sit here and lie guys and tell you that I've watched a lot of the Man United women's games uh, just because they're unavailable on TV here uh, but but I know that that squad has been building and that they've they've really been performing well and kind of building up to the top tier league uh, for, for women's competition uh, in England England, but from a U.S. perspective, getting that exposure of some of uh, the U.S. women's national team's biggest stars on that platform at United, got to be good for the women's game, right, Clayton? Oh, definitely. I mean, Christy Press and Tobin Heath, I mean, I mean, they're speedsters, basically. So they'll add a lot of speed and, you know, obviously quality in the final third to that lineup. I mean, obviously, and then you also have the World Cup experience. I mean, you got... Uh, I think Chrissy Press, Kristen Press has, what, two World Cups? And I don't know if Tobin Heath has. I know she has at least one. She has at least one, yeah. Um, but I think, you know, it's it's cool to have any kind of U.S. Um, international, you know, playing in for a big club like that, men or women. It doesn't matter, you know. Uh, obviously, we're Manchester United fans, and it's cool to have you know some U.S. internationals over there. Yeah, certainly. For them. Just any anything that kind of picks up that uh, uh, gets gets more of the the Yanks involved in uh, in the squad over here for sure. But uh, any parting thoughts on this, Barrett, before we move on to uh, match week three action? Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, isn't uh, Tobin Heath the one that's always looking for the nutmeg? <laughs> I think I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah so I mean, yeah. hell, if nothing else, she makes it a lot more watchable. It'll be fun to watch her try to get the nutmegs over there. Yeah, absolutely. So it'd be it'd be fun to watch. I'm rooting for both those ladies. Hope they do well over there. And Manchester's a lovely city. So as a as an American that's been there multiple times, uh, I I think that they'll uh, they'll take to it uh, uh, pretty well. I think, and uh, obviously we'll be following them and rooting for them uh, in their uh, their new careers uh, with Manchester United. So well, guys, well let's get to it. Match week three. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. There's not a lot of super sexy matchups. There, there's one on Monday night, and we'll save that for last and kind of build up to that. But, um, well, Clayton, I mean, it would just feel wrong if we didn't start with Manchester United because they are the first uh, kickoff, uh, the early uh, early uh, time uh, with uh, uh, traveling down to Brighton and Hove to take on uh, that squad there. But, you know, again, we talked about it last week with Jose Mourinho after a disappointing performance. Is this is this a must-win game for United on their second game already? Your thoughts on this one? Well, if you can get away with saying four to five games, it must not be, right? So, um, I mean, I, I expect him to come out. You know, they had a decent showing, uh, you know, in this midweek game, uh, the Carabao Cup. But, you know, they didn't come out with some more passion and exploit Brighton. They need to do a better job of obviously creating in the final forward and bringing – the pace of play up when the ball does turn over eventually, hopefully. And, I mean, I think they need to start Van de Beek. It, I mean, Paul Pogba, you know, has kind of been non-existent, you know, especially in that first half like we talked about. And then, obviously, defensively, they need to tighten up those runners on the backside. You know, they need, you know, clear communication, too, because, you know, the last time uh, I think Andrus Townsend scored, Luke Shaw didn't even look, look right back at all. I mean, he just was looking at the ball the whole time, just ball watching. The guy runs right behind him and scores. So they're going to need to clean that up. And then, you know, de- speaking defensively, I mean, we need to be aware of Lamptey, right? He's very quick. Tassard is, you know, coming down the right-hand side, you know, on that right-hand side. Um, Luke Shaw didn't play a great game, needs to be back on his toes, you know, respect that opponent. So 
he can't be pushing as high as he would want to because I mean they have runners on that right that right side. So you know I thought you know Lamptey against Newcastle played really really well. Um, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you know he might have a price tag you know coming up in the next transfer. So I I thought I. He really impressed me, so that's something to look forward to as far as you know Manchester United defending him. Yeah, yeah, Lamptey is a guy. He's not long for Brighton, that's for sure. One of the big clubs are going to come in and kind of snap him up. But uh, you know, my guy from a fantasy perspective, uh, Mape, he bagged two goals against Newcastle this weekend. So uh, you know, Brighton come off a big win, three nil in that one. You know, Barrett should should United be concerned uh, going down to Brighton and, and taking on a squad that they're going to be favored against. They should win, right? But uh, but should they be concerned? Yeah, I mean, the, from a from a talent standpoint, absolutely, man. You know, man, you should has the has the edge there. But as you said, Lamptey is going to cause Shaw real problems going down that yeah. side. But but Lamptey did pick up a knock last week, so yeah, it's still kind of up in the air. Is, is he even going to play or not? So if he doesn't play, I think it's going to be a long day, and I think it'll be a, a comfortable win for United. If he does, I, I still think United pulls it out. Uh, but he could cause some problems and and potentially get something out of it. Regardless of the result, I just want to see United play well, right? So again, it was such a such a limp, lethargic, uh, flat performance, right? Those are all the adjectives that we use to describe against Crystal Palace. Uh, I, you know, wh- regardless of the result, play better, right? So I, I just, just show me some forward passes, show me some attacking intent, uh, stretch the field, diagonal balls, whatever it is. Uh, the pass of least resistance. Let, let's get out of the Van Gaal style of play and let's get back to attacking, swashbuckling football that uh, that we're used to uh, from the Sir Alex days, in which we saw glimpses of it with Ole. And so uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, if nothing else, uh, there's a fire lit under their butts and uh, um, the, the attacking intent will be there on Saturday morning. So, again, that's going to be an early start. I'm sure I'll set the alarm and I'll get up, but uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll see how they perform. But, you know, the next match we have uh, coming up at 9 a.m. on Saturday would be kind of a surprising top-of-the-table match here. And top-of-the-table in the sense that, you know, both these teams have, have gotten six points from two two matches already, but that's uh, Crystal Palace, which we've talked a little bit about, hosting uh, Everton. And so your thoughts on this one, Barrett. Uh, the Blues heading down to uh, uh, take on uh, Crystal Palace there in London. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on this match? Well, we talked a little bit about Palace's style of play, right? Uh, in their two games, in their two wins, I should say, they've had 29% and 24% possession. Uh, so they're going to be happy to let Everton control the ball, and I think Everton will I'll, I'll gladly take that role. But I think Hamez is too good, and he'll be able to break down that that compact Palace defense. Um, it, it's more of a, of a question of, of does the Everton back line get complacent and uh, get susceptible to Zaha running forward on the counter? Um, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Everton's going to pick them apart. Uh, Zaha will get something. He'll, he'll, he'll pull one back, but I've, I'm thinking something like 3-1 Everton. Okay, uh, Clayton, your thoughts on this match? Yeah, I agree, Barry. I mean, a 3-1, you know, result would be, you know, ideal for Everton. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, they just have too much quality, and I, I think they're going to be able to edge out a win against um, Crystal Palace. You know, it could have the makings of a back-and-forth game, but obviously, you know, both teams are very defensive-minded and tactically sound. So, I mean, I think, you know, the, the quality that Everton has is just going to be too much um, going forward for Everton. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I I like Everton in this one. I think that midfield trio, again, we've talked about them and just how well they've played, despite the fact that they haven't had a lot of time to gel. Um, but uh, I, I like Everton in this one. And, and, and I think, you know, 2-0 uh, would, would be my, my scoreline on this one. But uh, uh, we'll see what happens there. We'll, we'll move ahead to Sunday, guys. Um, you know, big big game here, uh, Manchester City hosting Leicester City. We talk about a top-of-the-table matchup. Uh, Leicester City is actually at the top of the table right now. Um, you know, Manchester City obviously didn't play in the opening week, uh, given that uh, them and United were given the uh, the first get, first week off uh, due to the uh, uh, Europa and uh, Champions League competitions there. But uh, City looked good. Big win against uh, Wolves on Monday night, uh, obviously. And then Leicester have looked pretty good through their first two games as well. But uh, uh, your thoughts on this one, Barrett? So City hosting City to a certain degree, but uh, Manchester and Leicester. Yeah, uh, you know, Leicester's top of the table with two wins. Uh, You know, honestly, I haven't been that impressed with how they've played. Um, You know, in that opening weekend, Vardy getting a couple of PKs, kind of kind of running the score up there. So um, against inferior competition, nonetheless. So. Uh, I see this one being kind of a little bit of a walkover um, for City. I, I think there's just too much quality there. I think that second half against Wolves uh, will kind of wake them up, and they'll be a little bit more sound. Uh, I, I've got City uh, definitely winning this one. I would assume that City's not going to wear the Paisley 
uh, shirts at home this weekend, Clayton. But if they do, I'm going to tune in. But uh, uh, your thoughts on this one? So they'll probably be in the Sky Blues, but uh, be hosting Leicester. Uh, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, obviously Manchester City just has too much quality, too much attacking press. I mean, they're they're decent defensively. Uh, I thought Ake had a great game against Wolves. Um, so I mean, I, I don't think it's any brainer there. It's just Manchester City is going to come out and you know put a couple goals away and then in the game really. Kind of like what they did against Wolves. Yeah, I like I like Manchester City in this one two one as well. I, th- I think the uh, the Sky Blues uh, get get the victory here uh, and and kind of move on down the road. And again, Leicester, I think Barrett's right to a certain degree. I, th- I think they probably played above their heads a little bit. At least the results uh, were probably a little better better than what they merited uh, from a play standpoint. But uh, uh, that'll be a fun one to watch. But um, we talked a lot about Spurs uh, earlier in the pod, guys, and so they come back home. Uh, they host uh, Newcastle, again, coming off a disappointing loss against Brighton. They lost uh, uh, 3-0 uh, last week. But uh, uh, any any inkling here? I, I kind of lean towards Newcastle. I think Newcastle's given Spurs trouble in the past for whatever reason. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't shock me if Newcastle comes away with a result here, maybe maybe Nick's a draw. Uh, but am I crazy here, Barrett? Your, your thoughts on Spurs and, uh, and Newcastle? Well, you know, the one thing I'll be watching for is does Bale play? And I, I've got to agree with you, Keith, that probably not, at least as a starter, Maybe as a second half sub, but um, you know both of these teams have been a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, right? Uh, Spurs have played one good half of football, and that one half was great um, this past weekend. And then Brighton was just awful. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, Newcastle were awful against Brighton uh, this last week. They had no shots on target, uh, so the Brighton keeper gets a clean sheet without making a save. So uh, I think that kind of speaks for itself there. Um, kind of hard one to gauge based on just the inconsistency by both squads. Uh, so I'm kind of going to default to that draw as well, Keith. Yeah, I think after two weeks, uh, both these squads are a little schizo. <laughs> so it will uh, we'll certainly be fun to watch. But uh, any any thoughts or takeaways on, on, on this one, Clayton? Uh, Spurs and uh, Newcastle uh, Sunday morning uh, here in the States. I, I do have to disagree. I think Spurs are going to have to roll. They're going to roll Newcastle. I mean, one of the, one of the highlights I did see um, – you know Newcastle versus Brighton. Lamptey was just all over him, man. I mean they had they had issues covering him, and it doesn't get any better with Son and hopefully maybe Bale in the second half. I I just don't see how Newcastle can handle those two at the same time. And you know Newcastle didn't look great either. So I mean they haven't looked great yet. You know I mean they haven't really put any kind of form together. So I mean I think Spurs if they can play like they did in the second half. Um, they're just going to roll Newcastle. I think it's going to be a big game or a bit, lot of goals for Spurs. Okay, well, we'll see what happens in this Four one. 4-0. Or zero, wow, bold, bold choice. All right, so we'll see if it works out for you, Clayton. But you know, obviously, the the marquee matchup uh, of match week three is that is on Monday night, uh, and that being Liverpool hosting Arsenal. Um, you know, both these teams have, have looked pretty salty uh, through the first two weeks, and, and so these teams they just squared off in the Community Shield uh, not too long ago, and so familiarity uh, is certainly uh, there between uh, Jurgen Klopp squad and uh, Mikel Arteta's. Uh, Gunner squad, but uh, Barrett, we got to start with you, man. Being a Liverpool fan, uh, coming back home to the Cop, hosting the Gunners. Your thoughts on this big matchup? Yeah, second week in a row that they're in the marquee matchup. So th- thanks to whoever came up with that schedule, by the way. But uh, you know, Arsenal struggled a little bit with West Ham last week after looking just absolutely fantastic in the opening weekend, and in fact, fantastic since the COVID restart. To be perfectly honest. Um, and then, you know, Liverpool kind of uh, hit and miss, you know, not so great against Leeds, giving up three goals, but but looked absolutely fantastic against Chelsea. Of course, you know, the 10-man uh, Chelsea there in the second half certainly helps them look good there. I don't know. I, I think Liverpool is going to get revenge uh, for the uh, community shield there and uh, come, come away with a 2-1 uh, victory. Okay. Uh, your thoughts on this one, Clayton. Liverpool hosting Arsenal. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to obviously defensive tactics, right? So what does you know what does Arsenal do? We, you know, we both know that you know Arsenal and Liverpool both have you know attacking firepower. So it, it's going to be an acid te- test for both defenses, I think, because you know with that firepower, you know who which defense is going to actually break down. I mean, I can see Arsenal kind of backing off, you know, playing a little bit more defensively, and then you know using that their weapons on the outside to attack. But I think I have Liverpool winning a close game, probably like a, I want to say a 3-2 game um, for Liverpool. 
Okay, yeah, I, I like Liverpool to win this one as well. I think it'd be a cagey affair in the first half, uh, but but give me give me Liverpool, whether it be Salah, uh, whether it be Sadio Mane, I think one of those guys kind of nick a goal in the second half, and, and I, I like Liverpool to win this one 2-1 as well. But uh, I think it'd be a fun game to watch. I think it's going to be entertaining. Uh, like I said, maybe a little cagey during, during the first 30 minutes or so, first half, uh, but once that first goal is scored, whoever gets it, uh, I think that'll really open the match up and uh, – yeah, I, I, I like watching these two teams play, right? They move forward. They, there's a lot of attacking intent behind it. Uh, and, again, Arteta, I think what he's done, Barrett, you mentioned it, since the project restart, uh, even before uh, kind of finishing off uh, last year's uh, games as well. I mean, Arsenal, I think he's building something there. So I, I think they, they they seem to have a style. They seem to have an identity of play. Um, and, and I think that that uh, uh, will, will serve them well in the future. But they're not quite there yet. So I, I, Liverpool is still uh, still a couple of steps ahead of them for sure. And so I like them to get the, get the three points on Monday night. Well, guys, look ahead here to week three. And obviously from a fantasy pick perspective. So uh, if we look back to match week two, uh, looking at the performances of some of our picks there, Clayton, I, I think you were probably the winner, man. So I, I think you had more, uh, more, more fantasy picks that uh, that actually uh, uh, made an impact on the game. And so this is totally informal, gang. So we're not necessarily uh, keeping keeping stats from a, from a pure fantasy uh, fantasy standpoint. But uh, great picks and Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, Rick Carlison, uh, uh, Van de Beek with Man, Man United, right, comes off the bench and, and gets a goal there. James uh, Rodriguez for Everton gets a goal. Uh, Trent Alexander, you, both you and Barrett had him. And then Jordan Pickford in goal for Everton. So uh, Townsend obviously got a goal as well. So we're going to give you the victory <laughs> in match week two. Again, we didn't make fantasy picks for match week one because we were in the process of doing our big uh, premiere and uh, uh, our, our full season predictions in that one. But uh, we'll give you the three points um, in match week two here, starting out for us in our, our little competition between all three of us. But let's look ahead to this week. And uh, again, as always, good teams are start, start at the back, guys. So let's go with goalkeepers. So, Clayton, you get the honors, man. So we're going to give you the victory <laughs> in the first week here. But who, who's your goalkeeper uh, for a fantasy perspective in week three? I'm going with Hugo Lloris. Uh, I, I like their matchup against, I mean, you know, just the general team matchup against uh, Newcastle. I don't think Newcastle is going to get very many opportunities to attack. And if they do, I think, you know, Hugo Lloris is going to be equal to it. So I think he's going to have a clean sheet and then make a couple big saves. Okay, Barrett, uh, we'll go over to you, man. Who's your goalkeeper this weekend? I'm going with Rui Patricio with Wolves against West Ham. Uh, I think West Ham's just good enough to maybe get a few chances uh, to give uh, Patricio a chance to make some saves, but not good enough to put anything in the net. Okay, I'm going to go with Martinez, uh, the uh, the recent transfer in from Arsenal to Aston Villa. So he got got the start last week, uh, played pretty well in, in goal for Aston Villa there. Uh, they take on Fulham this week, and I think both those teams are just bad enough defensively uh, that, uh, that they're going to give up a lot of shots, but I don't think they're quite good enough offensively uh, to put a bunch of them in the back of the net. So, so give me Martinez uh, as my, uh, my keeper there. So, well, let, let's go to fullbacks, guys. And so uh, I'll, we'll kind of go reverse order here. I'll, I'll kick it off. Uh, my two fullbacks for the week, uh, give me Stuart Dallas from Leeds and then uh, Castagne from, from Leicester. I think both those guys have been, um, you know, Dallas in particular for Leeds. Uh, and he's kind of a guy that, that switches between midfield and then uh, plays out at the uh, left-back position as well well but uh, being able to kind of help move that team forward maybe get in a couple of crosses maybe 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 get an assist out of it um and so i like him in their uh, their matchup uh, against she- Sheffield United on Sunday. And then also, I, I like uh, Castagne from Leicester. Again, I know Manchester City, right? They're, they're going to be an underdog going into that match. But again, Manchester City plays football, uh, and they move forward. And I think that's going to open up opportunities in back in behind it as well. And so uh, those are my two fullbacks uh, for the week. But Barrett, uh, who, who are your two fullbacks? Uh, my first one, I got uh, Digne at Everton. Uh, against uh, uh, Crystal Palace. I think Palace is going to sit back. Those Everton fullbacks are going to come up and throw some balls into the box, uh, get some real uh, chances for assists there. And on the other side, I got uh, Reese James at Chelsea. Um, as a side note, after I submitted these picks uh, in the uh, Carabao Cup, uh, Chilwell comes on as a substitute. Uh, so Chilwell could be active this game on the other side. Uh, but I'm going to stick with Reese James uh, against West Brom. Again, West Brom's terrible. Uh, Chelsea will be attacking, bringing the fullbacks forward. Uh, I expect something out of Reese James. No, I like I like those picks, Barrett. So Clayton, give me uh, give me two fullbacks, man. Who are your fullbacks for this? So week? I have Luke Ailing and Marcus Alonso. Um, I think Luke Ailing is going to get a bunch of touches on the ball. I'm just going for a pure possession point of view, and he'll he'll have his opportunities to defend against Sheffield United too. 
I like him on that outside. And then also Marcus Alonso um, getting into the attack, you know, obviously providing, hopefully providing assists and then also being sound defensively. So those are my fullbacks for this week. So you're going to go with Alonso. What, now what happens if Chilwell slots in there and Alonso's on the bench, uh, Barrett? Or, I mean, Clayton? Um, then it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, he's he's played, he's started the last two games or he Premier has, games. Has. So I yeah, mean, yeah, he I'm has. hoping he'll keep that run of form and you know be able to start. Cause I, I, I mean, I have him on my fantasy team too. He, so. Hey, he gets yeah. forward, right? Yeah, he, he gets he, forward. He gets forward. He's terrible at defending, yeah. I think, yeah. but he does get forward. So when he, <laughs> whenever he's in, you know, he's going to bomb forward. He's going to get in the box and he's going to throw crosses in. So we'll we'll see if he gets a start uh, and see how Chillwell kind of factors into that uh, that decision for Frank, Frank Lampard this weekend, but. Uh, um, let's go center halves. Clayton, again, reverse order here. Uh, you've got two guys, uh, uh, re- very, you know, the northwest of, uh, of London here, but uh, two recognizable names. Uh, but uh, who, are, who are your two center halves for this week? So I have Minna for Everton and Van Dyke for Liverpool. Minna, um, I mean, they're going to be able to knock the ball around in the back. Um, I can see him being obviously a threat to stop any kind of counterattack. Um, and then Van Dyke, he's gonna be, he's gonna have his hands full a little bit, but I think he'll be equal to any kind of challenge that Arsenal throws at him. Um, so I expect them to, you know, hope man Van Dyke to hopefully get a goal, you know, off of a corner or something. Um, same thing with Mina. So that's why I've chose those two as my center backs. Okay, Clayton or Barrett, coming back to you, man. So who are your two center halves this week? I'm going with uh, Nathan Ake as one. Um, uh, again, uh, it's more of a indictment of what I think of Leicester than it is an endorsement of Ake. Uh, I don't think Leicester's going to have much for City. I don't think they're going to be uh, challenging that uh, City back line at all. Uh, on the other side, and I, I risk uh, being called Clayton here for my uh, love of Wolves, but I'm going with uh, Romain Sace. Um, you know, he scored in the opening week. Uh, he's, you know, been very, very solid defensively and uh, going against West Ham. Uh, I think he'll have a big day. Okay. I like those picks. Well, Clayton, I'm going to share your pick of Virgil van Dyke. Uh, for Liverpool uh, hosting Arsenal on Monday night. It would, wouldn't shock me if Van Dyke's the guy that gets the uh, the winning goal there from a set piece or something. So he, he shows up in the big games, and, uh, yeah, I, I think he's just a solid pick each and every week, uh, although I, I promise I won't pick him every week for sure. But uh, um, at the other center back position, give me Tyrone Mings, right? So he just signed a new contract extension with Aston Villa. Uh, has to be feeling good about himself. Again, I, I mentioned earlier uh, Villa traveling uh, over to uh, uh, the west side of London to take on Fulham. Uh, I like Villa to be able to get a result there and uh, wouldn't shock me if Mings has a really good performance again he's a dangerous uh, guy from a set piece as well big tall guy uh, can get his head on the ball for sure so but uh, give me Mings uh, as my center half and so uh, let's let's move up to uh, center mids here so 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 give me three midfielders or I guess I'll start off again going in reverse order here um you know, again, he, he was my first pick in the fantasy league, guys. I'm not ready to quit on him yet. Didn't have exactly a, a big impact uh, uh, this past weekend in Manchester's loss against uh, Crystal Palace. But I think I think Bruno Fernandez is a guy that takes those things personally. And so I, I really expect him to bounce back and, and have an influential performance against Brighton. Gets a, probably a goal and assist, maybe gets a PK in there, uh, given that he takes all the penalties for United now. But uh, Bruno is going to be one of my guys uh, in the middle. And so uh, the next one, give me Hendrick from from Newcastle, right? So I think he played. Uh, we, we mentioned that Newcastle, uh, you know, got their butts kicked by by Brighton this weekend, three uh, 0 there. But uh, um, again, call me crazy. I, I just something about Newcastle and Spurs, man. Newcastle has given them trouble in recent years, and so uh, wouldn't shock me if he's at the heart of all what what you know, perhaps what Newcastle has going forward. And it may be very little, right? So, uh, but uh, wouldn't wouldn't shock me if he shows up with a uh, an assist or a goal uh, in that game against Spurs. And then James Ward's uh, James Ward Prowse for Southampton, right? Takes all their set pieces, is involved and influential uh, in everything that uh, that Southampton does. Again, they uh, they travel up to Burnley this week. Uh, big loss to, to Tottenham in the week before or, or last week, uh, uh, five to two there. I think Southampton bounces back a little bit, uh, but I like James Ward Prowse uh, as my third center uh, um, uh, center midfielder as well. But Barrett, who are your three picks in the middle of the park? Well, I'm going to go with uh, Tiago at Liverpool. Uh, the way he came on in the second half. Uh, last week with the uh, setting that record for completed passes. I think he's really going to dictate play in the middle there and uh, help Liverpool, uh, you know, keep the, the possession in their favor and dominate the ball and uh, get the win there. Uh, I'm going to go with Ruben Nevis with Wolves, again, on that Wolves bandwagon. Um, you know, against West Ham, I, I think Wolves are going to be fairly dominant. He's going to be distributing, uh, you know, to Jimenez and uh, Podence, and uh, I see him getting uh, one or two assists there, if not a goal on top of it. 
And then uh, give me click with uh, leads. Uh, leads against Sheffield, uh, I think that's going to be entertaining. It's going to be you know up and down with Leeds' poorest defense. It's going to be drawing Sheffield out. It'll give Click a chance to really attack and get him behind that defense. So uh, we'll see what he can do there. Well, well, Clayton, you share one of those picks, right? So I who, share who, two. Yeah, you share two of those picks. Yeah, yeah you guys are on the same wavelength here. Yeah. But uh, give me give me your three guys in the center of the park. Like you said, Barry, I mean, Click obviously can get in and behind. He's you know he's a proven goal scorer from midfield too. So. I mean, I like him to have, you know, hopefully an assist or at least a goal this week. And then, like you said, Tiago, I, I, I like his game, and it kind of suits, you know, Klopp's style as far as, you know, being very direct. He can put his foot on the ball and just pop it over to, you know, Mane or um, the rest of the fellows up top. But, yeah, I really like Tiago, um, you know, being able to put his foot on the ball, create passes, create chances. So, and then, obviously – Donnie Vandebeek, I've been saying this, man. He's got to, he's got to start. He he scored a goal. I mean, there's there's certain there's certain things that I do like about him. I mean, I like his creativity, obviously, and he's he's always wanting to do the you know the quick you know through the legs you know flick around real quick, and it can you know obviously catch defenders off guard. But um, yeah, I see him you know obviously creating hopefully a couple chances this weekend. Yeah, if yeah. not scoring. Uh, a, a typical young Dutch player, right? So yeah. coming out of that IX system, he he's not one to shy away from the uh, uh, the nifty pass and uh, plays with a little bit of flair and certainly has that attacking intent for sure. So I'm I'm rooting for him, man. So I I hope uh, hope he does get the start and uh, hope he plays well for for United this weekend for sure. Well, we're gonna stay with you, Clayton. Give me your three attackers, right? So whether it be wingers, whether it be a center forward, a striker, uh, we'll go ahead and do it in a batch here. But uh, give me your three attackers for the weekend. So I have Son with Tottenham, Raul Jimenez. Jimenez, uh, Timo Werner uh, with Chelsea. Um, I like Son. Obviously, again, I think this matchup suits him pretty well. And obviously, he had a great game last week. So that was for my fantasy team, I will say. Um, I think he'll find a lot of space um, over on that left-hand side if they can continue to, you know, feed him the ball and then Harry Kane dropping off or at least, you know, getting an assist here and there to Harry Kane or whoever's on that right side, whoever is starting or and or comes on. Uh you know, Jimenez, obviously, you know, he's he's a true striker as far as being able to, you know, put his head on anything and, you know, grab goals, even if they're kind of junk goals and they don't mean anything later on. But, yeah, I like him to score, you know, in, in almost every game. I mean, I think he's averaging, a what, almost a goal a game. So, um, yeah, he'll have, you know, a great game against, you know, West Ham. West Ham, that's right. Yeah, I think he'll have a lot of chances. And, and then Timo Werner, um, he he hasn't really – I mean, he's he, you can see what he's, he can do, and I think he'll be able to get some more chances and obviously create more opportunities against uh, – who are they playing this week? Uh, Chelsea's uh, uh, West Brom. Yeah, uh, West Brom. Our yeah, unanimous yeah. last yeah, place, yeah, 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 uh, West yeah. Brom, yeah. So, I mean, Probably I think a pretty good pick there. <laughs> yeah, I think – yeah. I think he might have a couple goals this week or at least uh, an assist or two going forward, so – yeah, you, know, you you mentioned it earlier in the pod, and and you know Timo just the the intelligence of his runs and the angles that he creates. I mean, you can tell uh, he he's the complete package for sure. And so yeah, wouldn't wouldn't shock me if uh, uh, he finds the back of the net against uh, uh, our, our our friends at West Brom this weekend. But Barrett, let's let's move over to you, man. So who are your three attackers for for match week three? Well, I'm I'm following Clayton with a pick of Son on the left wing there. Uh, obviously scored four goals last week. Don't expect that out of him again. Uh, but against Newcastle, uh, I could easily see him getting turned loose and having those uh, one-on-one runs with the keeper at least a couple of times. Um, then on the other side, I've got Salah. Uh, you know, against uh, Arsenal, I, I think Liverpool will be able to control the possession there. I think Arsenal will be uh, waiting to counter. Um, but I, I see Salah being the – uh, you know, the, the guy causing trouble down on the offensive end. It's, it seems to kind of alternate, you know, the right one game, the left the next. So, you know, it was Mane last week. I think it'll be Salah this week. And there's the striker. I'm going Calvert-Lewin with Everton against Palace. Uh, you know, like we've talked about, Palace does not possess the ball. They're going to sit back. And uh, I think that Everton will be throwing those crosses into the box. It'll be prime time for Calvert-Lewin to head, uh, head a goal in. 
Well, he's two for two thus far, right? Ooh. So uh, we'll see if he can make it three for three. Well, uh, I'm going to share your pick with Mo Salah uh, on the right right wing there. And, you know, you, you've said it best there. I, I like what he's going to be able to do against Arsenal. I think that's going to be an open match, a back and forth, uh, up and down. And so it wouldn't shock me if he gets in behind and either gets an assist or a goal there. Uh, and it may be a week too late, uh, but go ahead and give me Wilfred Zaha. So, again, I, I, I was on the verge of selecting him, selecting him last week against my Manchester United and couldn't make myself pull the trigger. And I regretted it uh, roughly uh, about uh, you know 75 minutes into that match uh, on uh, on Saturday uh, uh, morning but uh, you know again if there's going to be goals created if there's going to be chances created if Crystal Palace is going to get anything out of that match it's probably going to come through Zaha and so I, I like him um, again I, I think Everton's going to win the match but uh, but I like Zaha to be influential in that game for sure uh, and then up top give me Danny Ings with Southampton again I mentioned it earlier uh, big loss for them against Spurs uh, this past weekend they're going up to Burnley um, you know I, I liked Ward Prowse uh, from, a, from a Southampton perspective as well but you know Ings he, he was in the running for the Golden Boot last year I think a lot of people forget about about that and so um, I think he 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 probably shows up on the goal sheet uh, uh, this week and in the score line for sure and so so give me Danny Ings uh, as my striker uh, up top for match week three. Well, guys, you know, I think that just about does it here for this pod. Again, we're, we're just up on the hour mark now, and so uh, running out of time here. But, uh, you know, I think all that's left is obviously to, to watch the matches this weekend to see what happens. And so for our listeners out there, you can follow my buddies here on Twitter. Barrett, we can follow you at Hartman underscore LFC, right? That's correct. And then Clayton, we can follow you at McCluskey 101. That's right? Yes. So M-C-C-L-U-S-K-Y 101. Uh, no spaces, no underscores. Correct. All right. Well, guys, well, again, I appreciate you both being in studio with me here. Look forward to doing it again next week. And and while this will wrap it up for this episode, guys, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. And again, I got to give a shout out to my friends at Spray Can Creative. Uh, Patrick and Ashton McClung did an absolute fantastic job putting the website together and helping us get the podcast infrastructure up and running. So kudos to those guys. Known them for a long time, but they do an excellent job. And so I can't thank them enough. But for everyone out there, our listeners, enjoy the matches this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers, everybody. 